This is Savio. I've been seeking answers to some of life's most perplexing questions my entire life. In 2014, I was diagnosed with stage three cancer. And ever since, I realized my calling existed outside of what I knew to be familiar. This podcast is your home for survivors like myself and those who are searching to find meaning to their why. In season two, the show includes a mix of coaching sessions followed immediately by interviews with those from all walks of life who have been successful in the business, marketing, coaching, and financial worlds. The intent is to show the human experience in its rawest form so that others may glean insight. Nothing is rehearsed or has been edited. As a board-certified wellness coach, my job is to ask the deep questions of those trying to make sense of their place in this fractured world. I believe life speaks to us in different ways. Many of us listen, but don't know how or where to begin. As someone who has crossed the bridge between life and death, I say simply, begin where you are now and get busy living. If you liked today's episode, I would appreciate it if you could share it and subscribe. Be sure to tag me at The Human Resolve so I can reciprocate in kind. So without further ado, welcome to The Human Resolve Podcast. In Season 2, Episode 8, entitled The One About Overwhelm, Lane Kawaoka lives each day in a sea of to-dos. He realizes that the lack he feels is not putting his name front and center on that list. Hey, Lane, it's good to see you. Hey, thanks for having me. Sure. Uh, So what would you like coaching on today? I would like to talk about, uh, I run a pretty large business and pretty busy. Things are going really, really well. Um, Amidst the pandemic of all things, things are going really well. So things are good. But... I am kind of in the process of kind of changing over some systems, bringing on some staff. But in the meantime, you know, there's not enough hours of the, in the day and it just seems to be working all the time and it's never, never really feel like I move ahead on the, the big projects that I'd like to. And just kind of this feeling of overwhelm and I guess, like, you know, you can kind of break down the day. Sometimes it can be overwhelming, too. You know, and I don't want to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm hearing from you is that you run a, a, a pretty, uh, you know, a successful business. And at times you feel overwhelmed or there's things that you, you know, just find stressful. Am, am I correct? That's correct. Correct. So what would be a great outcome for today's session? Um, maybe create some more plans around it or to come to a realization that it's okay to have all this stuff piling up. Um, maybe a plan forward on what it is that we're going to focus on. Um, maybe the, maybe the solution is, yeah, come to a realization that not everything's going to get done. So which ones do we focus on? Mm. So the plan is to sort of realize that not everything could be done and sort of basically hone in and or focus on the things that can be done, correct? Right, but I want to get yeah. that everything done. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So when you think of the word overwhelm, what's happening in your body? Um, overwhelm, I guess one thing that happens a lot is like you start planning, you start to be strategic, right? Because you know your resources are, on, especially on time, are low. And resources on energy 
are low. Um, I know very well that I have many eight hours a day where I don't have to go to a day job anymore to kind of work on such a task. So potentially isn't the time. I don't have that excuse anymore that I used to have when I had a day job. It's just a matter of energy to, right? Getting like energy to get over the hump or the procrastination or whatever, just to sit down and knock it out, do deep work. It, it might be as much energy as I come to realize. So if it is an energy thing, how do I get over that hump, I guess? Mm. So when the energy is good, what happens throughout the day? Well, I waste all my energy on the day-to-day -day operations, right? <laughs> You know, answering emails, making folks happy. Um, there's certain things I need to get done, you know, as anybody else does operationally. But then there are other projects that want that I see as creating value for some of my students, uh, for my network, that are like really good ideas that I feel like nobody else is doing out there. But at two or three o'clock, I just get tired. Right, um, or I might take a break, eat some dinner, work out a little bit, and then I find it's like eight, nine o'clock, and I'd like to get to sleep before eleven, but I just don't have that energy, right, to kind of deep dive into that work. So if I, I don't know, had the ability to create a miracle for you, and somehow poof, your ideal day-to-day -day manifested, what would that look like? I wake up, I would, it's funny, someone just asked me yesterday, deal <laughs> ding. So I wake up, I wouldn't get up at super early. I would wake up sort of early at maybe seven, eight o'clock. I, today, my first uh, couple hours are spent answering emails, putting out fires. It is a little stressful because I am here in Hawaii and we're behind the time zone of other people. So the time I wake up, it's lunchtime for a lot of people. They put fire, you know, dynamite sticks into my inbox at this point. I would like if I had some kind of assistant that would go through there and triage things and take knock out all the simple ones. So this this process would be compressed down to, say, thirty minutes. Um, I then would hop on a. I do a podcast, so then hop on my podcast for an hour. That you can't really compress the time on that those. So that's just. The time it takes um, maybe a jump on another podcast so you know a couple hours doing that but then i want to get to get down into my larger projects that i want that really moves the needle forward right that frank, quite frankly don't spend too much time on on a week-to-week -week basis today um, before i get tired and i'd like to go work out i'd like to have more time to socialize do more fun things which i don't do and work to a normal hour, you know, when most of us stop working at four or five. And then I would like not to come back to work and work from 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. So that for that ideal day. So for that to become a reality, what would need to happen? Getting people in place to help, uh, just a time thing, getting that, that staff wrapped up and that yeah, that it does seem to be a big, a big barrier, and then letting go obviously right, giving up your inbox is a big step. Yeah, 
and and how when I say to you, giving up your inbox, what are you feeling? I my mind says it is very doable. A lot of people do it, but my gut is well. I just got to find the right person, and that's going to mm-hmm. take a lot of time to trust somebody or forget the systems running. Mm-hmm. Would you be open to doing a little experiment with me? Sure. Sure. So I just want you to sit down comfortably uh, in your seat. If you feel even more inclined or comfortable, you can close your eyes or soften your gaze. I just want you to take three deep breaths in and three deep breaths out. I just want you to sort of tap into, you said your gut is telling you. So what is your gut telling you? Do it at some point, but just take it slow. And what would need to happen for you to take it slow? The start to it. (laughs) (laughs) Get it. Yeah. Have you ever uh, delineated some of those tasks to other people in that way? Uh, Other tasks, but not that particular one. So what would be the best case scenario if you did it? It worked. And I give them even more stuff. And now my my uh, putting out the fires in the morning turns into 15 minutes. And what would be the worst case scenario? They screw it up. People are pissed off. They lose, they lose stuff and they throw a nuclear bomb in the system and they blow all my stuff up. They would throw a nuclear bomb in your system, and that would be detrimental? Yeah, you're damn right it will be. We're in the computer age. It's all gone. And then how would you triage that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I would come back from that, to be honest. So I'm sort of curious, sort of this idea of you finding more time for Lane yourself, how could you create that in your day-to-day right now? Schedule it. And how does your scheduling usually work? Well, other things need to get done, so it takes precedence over that. So those unimportant things get pushed along with some important things. And do you do any self-care routines for yourself during the day? Um, yeah, I try to wake up, work out every day, do that type of stuff. I normally am pretty resilient. Like I don't really need to do too much stuff that's self-care. Kind of like a very robust Honda Civic. You know, you keep, <laughs> I can keep driving. Change, change the oil once in a while. I love that visual, a yeah. Honda Civic. I, I grew up with Hondas <laughs> most yeah. of my life. I just um, need to take a shower once a day, relax for two minutes, that's good, for 24 hours. Uh, did you Have you ever included any additional self-care routines? Um, not really. Not really. I haven't felt the really need to. I mean, I so might be how, overwhelmed, but 
I don't feel too bad. Do you think by adding self-care routines, it would detract from what you need to get done? I think that's like how I logically think. Like, it's the resources time. Yeah. But am wise enough at this point to know that it's not just time, it's energy. So if you're saying that the self-care stuff will change the color of the energy that I do to use the time, then I'm open to trying it. Yeah. So what, what, what do you know about that you're open to trying? I guess if I'm right in, if, if I kind of take the day as more like sprints and I recharge with a self-care activity and then go into it. But there's one, I mean, one thing I'm a little apprehensive about, I mean, some, I've tried to take naps in the middle of the day. I guess, you know, when you get tired at two, three o'clock in the afternoon, I do that and it's game over. <laughs> I'm just useless to like six or seven. It's not like I take a nap and I wake up at 2.30 and I'm like, all right, I got all this energy. <laughs> no, that's just not how I yeah. I notice. Um, even in like a lunch, I eat a lunch, taking a little break. I'm useless <laughs> after that. You know, okay. like I, I'm like a like a Boeing whatever, whatever, with big engine. Once you shut it down, it turns off. Uh. Uh, and then have you tried other modalities? Um, like what, I guess? Um, have you tried any supplements or vitamins? Uh, yeah, you name it, I got it, man. <laughs> and is does the engine still turn off if you take that nap with that vitamins? I'm a kind of a non-responder. I probably could smoke a pond of marijuana and be all right. That's how it is for like, you know, all these study pills and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any type of mindfulness or meditation practice? Um, no, and maybe that's something I do try to put in, right? Because the food, that makes sense, right? That makes me sleepy. <laughs> A nap puts me to sleep. So that logically makes sense that I wouldn't come back from that. So. Maybe I'll try that. Maybe I'll, I've got like a, one of these mirrors that I can I could do like a yoga thing. Maybe I'll just do like a, what do you suggest? Maybe like a 10 or 40 minute thing or like a yoga I, thing or to break I up think the day? If you, or, yeah, I think if you're not a meditator, maybe start off with 10 minutes or five minutes just to acclimate yourself to that um, type of environment. But what is it about meditation you think that might be beneficial in your life right now? Um, maybe, maybe, I think part of it is like subconscious. Like when I start to go into like the harder projects, they're not straightforward. They're not like two minute tasks. They're not, they're not like knock out these emails and compose a reply sent. They're complicated. And maybe I don't, I haven't, gone through the trouble of breaking it down to each step so maybe that's the reason why that procrastination there maybe i need to in, invoke the subconscious spirits of my brain to kind of unravel it for me so at least i have like a perspective going in on my my plan of attack as opposed to going in cold and 
tired. I like how you mentioned sort of this unraveling the subconscious. Have you done that in any way before? Um, I've kind of broke down like projects, write notes, and then, you know, on a piece of paper so I can move it around or like, oh, this is under this category. Let's make a list here. This is part of this. This is first. This is last. So that in have more you, strategic sense, yeah. And have you incorporated any other modalities like breathing exercises? Not really. Have you, do you know of any breathing exercises that have worked for other people? Another box breathing thing. <laughs> oh yeah? And what, what's that? Um, like two seconds in, hold for two seconds, two seconds out, hold for two seconds, repeat like a box. Does that seem plausible to you? Yeah, I could do that. I mean, I could probably commit to trying something like that when the afternoon lull comes around for 10 minutes. So how would you keep yourself accountable to get, you said meditation is something you're interested in, box breathing. I could schedule it. Do you live and die by your scheduler? Um, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, some things I slide over perpetually, but at least I know I'm aware of it. Not just oblivious of it. But for the most part, appointments, you know, that's how I live. No, I wouldn't. I don't use my mind to hold on to what I think I need to be doing. It's what the calendar is for. So besides your scheduler, are there any other tools that you could use? That's coming to me. When you uh, sort of have all these things happening, and I'm assuming because of COVID you're working from home, um, how does this all get done with your extended family or, or close people in your life? Um, my life is pretty simple. I got, I kind of do whatever I want to do. I don't really have to check with anybody. Right? I don't really have those kinds of commitments. Would it be beneficial for you to use this new modality in a social way? Uh, like like how? There are group meditation, Zoom calls. There are uh, breathing webinars. There are different hosts of things. Yeah, I didn't know that they existed. But, I mean, I like the Zoom. I do Zoom CrossFit. I like that. That keeps me accountable. It's definitely sometimes I don't want to do it. But I'm like, well, you know, there's other people going to be on there that... Uh -huh. Just, just do it. So I, I, that definitely works for me in that respect. So, so how would you, how would you go about, how would you go about resourcing that then, if that's something you're interested in? Maybe just googling. Right? <laughs> I didn't know they existed. What, what, what would I Google? I, zoom meditation. Yeah, you can zoom meditation. You could do um, 
there is, um, you know, uh, breathe, besides box breathing, there's, you know, the fire of breath breathing. There's just different options. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely fall in line when there's like a group around, and I, that's I'll look into that. Do you have a particular vendor that is a good one? Um, I could send you, that? yeah, I could send you some resources. I mean, there are um, there's um, there's one where it's you it's not box breathing, but it's the breathing where you hold it in. There's just a different meditation practices. There's one where it's you go an ice bath and then you do the breathing exercises as well. Um, yeah. but, or I guess like any like online groups is what I'm looking for. Um, there I, are I many. I just need that accountability or that peer pressure. <laughs> and what, what, what would that accountability give you? It just works for me. I mean, it makes me do it. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever not shown up? Yeah. But it's very low chance of that happening. But when once I'm there, I do it, right? Whereas if I work out by my, myself, then, eh, you know, I'm not going to tie my shoes. You know, I'm not going to put on my shoes. I'm going to do this. I don't want to do that one. You know? <laughs> the level of compliance goes way down. Yeah. Be, pre-pandemic, was that the same? Yeah. I mean, pre-pandemic, I was going to the gym, and that's... You know, everybody's working hard and you kind of just fall in line there. Uh, but then I was doing the Zoom workouts almost every day and still am. So it works for me. Excellent. So Lane, when we started this sort of conversation, you mentioned about sort of, I don't know, not feeling that overwhelmed. How does this sit with you now? Uh, I mean, I've got some, a couple ideas to try and see if it works, right? I mean, it's not super overwhelmed, but it's good to just kind of always be searching for something, the next trick, right? And add it to the repertoire. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned as well in, in terms of taking more time for yourself, your especially that email inbox that your mind is telling you it's a good idea, but your gut is telling you uh, maybe not. How can the two be happy? Maybe associating, if I keep doing what I'm doing, what, what will be lost? And what will be lost is then I never get to use the time and energy to do the important things that really move the needle forward. Hmm. Can you speak more about that? It's a trade. I see it as just a simple trade-off. As a simple trade-off. So who are both of them happy? The mind knows where the word energy and the progress needs to be at. Gut is just dragging behind. So how can the gut catch up? 
we need to find a way to mitigate somebody screwing up the email. And that is and, what I haven't figured out yet. And so how does how do you keep yourself in check so that you don't screw up an email? Well, I'm the person doing it. So I know all the answers. And that's why it's my inbox. But maybe I just need to have checks on the person doing it. Well, if you don't have a if you don't you're somewhat uncertain, then that's okay. Just pass it over. It's fine. It's gonna do it anyway. So if you initiated this this new you know streamlined version and they passed over things that they didn't know would that make it easier on your schedule yeah yeah and maybe just set the expectation that hey you guys are going to go through here you're just going to cherry pick the 10 percent easy ones right just maybe like deleting or blocking spammers right just simple as that that's good that's good for now We'll go for a roll with that for a few weeks and we'll get on the next one. Uh, I see. So is the goal to acclimatize them to your way of working? Yeah, and I think I haven't gotten into this process, so I haven't ran into this. But yeah, now that I'm kind of thinking more into this, this set, this is probably the evolution that's going to happen. Do you have a standardized way of doing things? Probably, but I just do it so naturally that I mean, that's another step that needs to get done, needs to get systematized to SOP. And can you automate this in any way? Potentially, but then that's another project, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and if, But would that project be helpful for you at this moment in time? It would, it would, and possibly maybe I can outsource that project and just be more of a reviewer of that procedure. Huh. Excellent. Well, Lane, we're pretty much coming to time, but I just wanted you to sort of speak to kind of how, you know, just generally the session went overall for you in terms of what is it that you gleaned? Yeah, I realized the direction I need to go. I. We got a little bit into the set of like, all right, how is it going to get implemented? And I was like, all right, well, my gut is who was the one being drugged behind. Seems to be, all right, I can live with that. You know, do a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Um, I'm interested in this like meditation thing. I'm, I'll give that a try. Um, do, do you have a resource on like, I mean, there's got to be a on-demand meditation group that up, that goes on live every 30 minutes right in the world. Yeah. So there is, so since you asked, there is uh, someone called Wim Hof. He does the breathing exercises. So he's okay. known as somebody who's been scientifically tested to control his body temp. He can actually do that. Uh, he has a couple of Zoom options there. Uh, in terms of meditation, there is something called the Big Quiet uh, that's an option as well. You can look into that. They, I, I know they meet weekly and they have a sister channel as well. Um, but yeah, those are two resources. Okay, cool. Perfect. I'll look them up. Perfect, great. So do you feel complete with today's uh, um, coaching session? Yeah, we're good. Perfect, right. great. So on. now we're transitioning into you telling my listeners what is it that you do and how, you know, I, I would love for you to sort of explain more about 
who you are. Yeah, so I currently own 4,200 rental units. Uh, wasn't always that way. I started in 2009 with a single family home rental uh, while I was working my engineering day job. Uh, that rental was in Seattle. I knew nothing about rent to value ratios, where to buy, how to buy. I just found that with that rental, the, the income that I brought in, the rents exceeded the expenses and that created cash flow. And then I was like, shoot, I got to keep doing this again and again and again. Uh, so as I did this, um, acquired 11 rentals by 2015 and people were asking me how to did it. And I didn't like to repeat myself again and again and again. So I started to podcast it on my podcast. It's fullpassingcashflow.com. And it's found on Google Play, iTunes, all the big major carriers. And uh, my mission is kind of to help people get out of Wall Street and mainstream investments and invest in real assets that produce cash flow so they can possibly retire in 10 years instead of 30 or 40. Uh, a lot of hardworking professionals out there that are just being screwed over by their 401k Wall Street type of mutual funds that little do they know that most of their earnings are being taken in fees to build these build, big buildings and high salaries. And they just took a little bit of energy in their own hands and did it themselves. They would be able to create financial freedom, which is attainable by some. It definitely sounds like a, a mission-driven sort of a endeavor of yours. I'm just curious, like, what's your why around this? I think it's jacked up, right? Like, I mean, you got all these hardworking people who have high-level education degrees. They're all kind of fed a lie, right? Like, I mean, when I bought my first rental property and I did the math, I was making like 30% on my money and I wasn't the greatest rental. Uh, when you factor in the cash flow, the mortgage, the tenants paying down your mortgage, so you're getting that equity buildup you're getting appreciation in the property and then the tax benefits. I mean, I barely pay any taxes myself. Um, it's, I, I, I break down the numbers if people don't believe me. I mean, it's at simpleclassiccashflow.com slash returns. I have a little video where I go on my whiteboard and I show people how you make 30% with this. And then I look over at my stocks and it's making like 8%. And I was like, the heck? Like, took all my money, right? Well, the system is engineered to keep us all working forever. If not, how else would society go on? How else would you play for all this social security or unemployment, right? Um, it's the middle class that kind of suffers the most. So, but if you're able to save up your money, buy a rental property, then buy another, buy a few more, which is very, very plausible. I mean, it's pretty simple. You get out of the rat race less than a decade. And you can so, do other things. So for my listeners out there, like what would be three tips to get out of that rat race? Well, you know, this is real estate investing, right? You're gonna need to have some money to invest. Um, I usually have people start off buying a hundred thousand dollar house in the Midwest or South that rents for a thousand dollars. You're gonna need twenty grand for a down payment on that, twenty percent down payment. So if you don't have money, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe you have to tighten the belt a little bit. But most of my clients are work professionals. They're able to save that at least every year. 
Um, and then, yeah, just just buy things that make sense, right? Like we we don't invest in, we don't do house flipping or wholesaling. We're all passive investors. Our highest and best use is at our day jobs doing something else. So we use the money from that to buy passive investments. We have property manager doing all our hard work for us. And we buy things that cash flow. So we typically don't buy things in California, Hawaii, Washington. The, the numbers don't make sense. The rent-to-value ratios are under 1%. Uh, we look for things that where the rent-to-value ratio is 1% or higher. So the monthly rent divided by the purchase price is 1% or higher. So, you know, like in California, it'd be lucky to find a place that's 400 grand, probably in the ghetto. But that'll run for $2,000. So 2000 divided by 400 grand is half a percent. That's much less than 1%. That ain't going to work. It isn't going to cash flow. But unfortunately, this is how a lot of people think of investing, right? They gamble on appreciation where we invest more prudently on cash flow. So there really is, I mean, it doesn't matter what the economy does or what the real estate market does. It really doesn't matter one bit. So what are some books or resources that have shaped your your worldview? Um, Millionaire Real Estate Investor is a good one for real estate investors, um, but I'm not a big fan of academic learning. I'm more about doing it and talking to other people also doing it. Um, or in this case, go out and analyze deals. Right? I mean, they can... People can get my free analyzer on my website at spillpassacastle.com slash analyzer and download the spreadsheet and just chug numbers. You can learn it pretty quickly by doing it that way. Getting your hands dirty. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. What is the what is the one thing that has surprised you when taking on a, a newly interested person? I think a lot of people, they just get confused with all the noise out there. Again, you know, like when people think of real estate investing, they think of like the HGTV show, that <laughs> those are the wholesalers or the flippers. We don't, that's, that's a pain. I think that's a lot of work and that's a lot of risk too. Mm. I mean, I try and keep things simple. Yeah, you need a little bit of money to start, but that's my, why my brand is simplepassivecashflow.com. It's simple. For people who are able to be good with their money, this is the way to do it. You buy some rental properties and you have that growth exponentially. Then you, for higher net worth investors, accredited investors, they make over a million or, or quarter of a million every year, net worth a million dollars or greater. The name of the game is syndications and private placements. So you go into dozens and dozens of deals as a passive investor. You never do anything and you just cash your checks and you extract the passive losses, tax benefits from that, and you use that to offset your income from your day job by using real estate professional tax strategy and pay less taxes. I mean, to me, it's very simple. But obviously, it's, you know, there's, you got to get ingrained into it. It's a, it's a thing. But it's, it's probably the simplest way to get financially free without any scammy passive income ideas you know and how has COVID affected this industry uh, not one bit we know out of my 4200 units i mean normally we're collecting 40 97 percent of the rents maybe it dropped down to mid to low 90s and it's worse 
but we're still making money as long as we can stay above 50 60 percent so that just shows the resiliency of the stuff we do yeah. uh, and that's why we don't invest for appreciation that's why we don't invest in blue states where the landlord laws are in the tenant's favor we're all in red states is where we invest um and yeah i i was a little worried through the pandemic uh, i've never been through a pandemic before but <laughs> now going through it i'm like wow this stuff is pretty robust right imagine that and that and that's we we invest in not the high-end luxury stuff not the low end but the working workforce housing so rents that are between 700 to 1100 dollars rent right the average man and we provide good quality housing for them at a fair price. That's that's the service that we provide at the end of the day. Do you find that the reason why your industry has been so resilient is because of the security aspect of people feeling comforted and belonged and all that? I mean, people need a place to live, right, at the end of the day. And the governments are going to print money to keep people off the streets, the majority of people off the streets. So the way I see it, you know, like if Trump wins, the economy does better, well, that's better for everybody. But if Biden wins, he's going to pump a whole bunch of money into these kind of government programs that we benefit as investors. Mm. It's a heads I win, tails I win type of scenario. Mm. Um, so it really is, I mean, that's why people invest in real estate. It's probably the best end game strategy out there because it preserves capital and produces cash flow that you can need today. What have your friends or family said is their number one fear around all this? They think, oh, you know, what if the tenant messes up the property, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I a property manager deals that that nonsense, <laughs> not me. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to change a toilet. I don't know how to do an eviction. I've probably done dozens of evictions at this point that I probably don't know about, <laughs> but that's the property manager's job. I mean, every state's different. There's all these rules. I don't know. That's the property manager's role. Um, and this is more of the life of the passive investor, right? You would like professionals to do your dirty work for you. So you don't have to worry about the ter termites, toilets, tenants. If you could have like a wish around this, around your work and your industry, what, what would that be? I wish everybody would just get a taste of buying an asset that produces money for them. Uh, too many people make the mistake of buying a house to live in. Right? That's, that, that is not an asset that takes away money from you every month. And there's so much, there's so much bad financial advice out there like, oh, why would you want to rent? Because rent's throwing money down the tube. Uh, that's not what I believe. <laughs> I rent. And I also buy hundreds of thousands of apartments. Right, that offsets that. Um, yeah, there's just so much bad financial advice out there. Like investing in a 401k, you know, we don't do that. We we invest outside of retirement accounts. Um, our tax brackets are lower today. We'd rather pay our taxes today in a lower tax bracket. Um, our net worth is going to grow, or so, and we'll be in a higher tax bracket in the future. I want my money before I'm 70 years old, or whenever you take the money out of that stuff. The uh, government's printing money, so how else are you going to pay for this but raise taxes in the future? 
And when you invest in retirement accounts, you don't get any of the tax benefits, all the passive losses from the investments. So to me, it makes no sense why anybody would use a retirement fund. Mm. But I know why, because in the 1980s, the government and the big brokerage got in cahoots to make these 401ks, to put them in there so that the brokerages would get all these views from them. I mean, it's an engineered system. So what would be like a myth that you would love to dispel? Well, don't buy a primary residence to live in. First invest. But I I will say for most people out there, buying a house to live in is a forced savings account. So there's like a little bit of paradigm here. If you're unable to save money and really bad with finances, then buy a house to live in because you need a forced piggy bank. But if you're one of the minority that are good with their money, this is a different way of doing it. And it's going to get to your goals a lot faster and a lot safer. All right. Well, this was just definitely a fantastic sort of a talk and interview. Um, any last piece of words of wisdom from my listeners? Um, no, no. I mean, I think buying a rental property is very daunting. There's a lot of money, right? Which is why a lot of people don't do it. But financial freedom is not for everybody. Financial freedom is for the worthy who get out of their comfort zone. And any any sort of a question, burning question you have for me? Uh, no, I'm good. I'm going to check out this big quiet thing and the Zoom meditation stuff. Got some, got some new ideas here. Excellent, Lane. Well, this was definitely a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, perfect. Take care. Hi there. I really hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast episode of The Human Resolve. If you feel that others may enjoy this episode as well, please share socially at The Human Resolve. They can also visit my website, thehumanresolve.com, where I offer one-on-one coaching sessions, daily prompts to move in the right direction, sync directly to your smartphone, and a subscription to my weekly newsletter where I probe into the secrets from living smarter to feeding your three brains. If you could also help me out and give me a review and rating on this platform, because I do care what you have to say, I would really appreciate it. Now, get out there, my friends, and get busy living.